Hell is overflowing and Satan is sending his dead to us. Why? Because. How do you think your God will judge you? Well, friends, now we know. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk with you. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. we'll have a death metal intro for you for sure. I mean, I like your Nazim T-shirt. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, have there any been any shows up here lately? Or um, there there is just like local people though. Like just uh, I don't know. I just well, I miss like the Dead Kennedys, which I kind of I feel like. I oh, they played that. here, huh? Yeah, it was like two weeks ago, and the Subhumans too. Damn. Yeah, punk shows. That's and, that's still a good show. Yeah. I mean, even though they're probably. Jello Biafra is probably old as shit now. But. Oh, it's no Biafra. They they are they kick irreconcilable. No, they just they don't. They they have the same thing that like Black Flag and their original guitar player with like other members like will not ever reconcile. Like so, there's like two Black Flags and Jello Biafra just has nothing to do with Dead Kennedys and hasn't for years and never ever will. And it's a shame. Wasn't it like a big lawsuit where they're fi- fighting over royalties? Or yeah, like ownership like of the both music? those bands have like those bullshit problems, and they hate each other. And like the Misfits were the same way too forever. So it's been like they're just like raking in the money. Like Wasn't Glenn Danzig going to do a reunion with Misfits? They or are. They have been the last couple of years. Oh, that's cool. They've done like really gnarly tours with like Venom and other oh, fucking Venom. cool bands. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking but awesome. they were like playing Staples Center and like the tickets were like fucking ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's not very punk rock. No, that's not punk rock at all. <laughs> well, were you there when they did the the MDC show in Slow and uh, um, Dead Alive opened up for him at that weird little shack next to Cheap Thrills? I don't think so. It was years ago. No. Um. Yeah. Uh. I mean, you know. Dead alive, the you know everyone in that local band. Uh, that was probably before Alex our time here. So I don't know oh, if okay. I them. Yeah, all, all my homies were in that band, and um, God, like a bunch of them, it, it kind of just broke up, and then people moved or got super strung out. But uh, I was living in L.A. And I remember seeing the flyer because I was still friends with everyone up here. And I was like, oh, cool. Free Millions of Dead Cop show. Like, I have to go see that. It and was my, free, too. Yeah. yeah. And, my fr- and my friend's band was opening. So I was like, I have to see that. And it was awesome. But then uh, <laughs> I was still partying, like, super hard because I had just moved to L.A. 
And so we go up there and I'm just like on a shit ton of painkillers. And there's a photo on my Facebook somewhere of the show and uh, a bunch of people you probably know were, were there in the pit and it was, it was cool. But uh, I don't remember that well because I used to get super loaded and go to shows. Like remember um, when Downtown Brew was Slow Brew? That was when like Numbskull Productions did a shit ton of shows here. And now, I mean, I'm not really current with like what shows are here, but I mean, I know there's the Fremont and there's the Grad, but there's this little DUI metal mag called a Hail Yourself, and like uh, they've been putting on a lot of stuff. There's some local like bands that are pretty cool. This one band, Disgusted Geist, some like kids. I don't know if they're from a. North County or what? They're they're pretty rad, like kind of like doomy, sludgy shit. And you remember Darian's band, uh, Depths of Chaos? I never heard them either. They We've were talked local about too. it before. Yeah. yeah, I used to. I was doing. I was in a little punk band, and we were. But then we kind of morphed into like a death metal band, and it was called Homicidal Deviation, and it was so hard to. Um, get people to show up for band practice that it was just like, well, what the fuck is the point? And then his, the members of his band were like, oh, we're all moving to the East Coast. And he was like, uh, I don't want to move to the East Coast. So like, all right, peace. And now he's just like jamming around here. But anyway, so That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, we'll do a first name basis. Care to uh, introduce yourself? Sure. What's up? I'm Daniel. <laughs> so... I remember the first time I met you, we were both in Prop 36, right? Mm-hmm. That's when I first met you. And after, you've been clean pretty much ever since. I think after, because I did Prop twice. <laughs> did so, you? Yeah, I did it twice. So I did it and I graduated twice. So, fuck, technical difficulties. We were getting into... So what, wait, I want, I have to ask you, what made you make, you made a conscious decision to go be homeless in Ventura. Like, did you know when you were going to Ventura, you were going to be homeless and like relapse? Oh yeah, I definitely did. So you're like, I'm going to move out of uh, slow County and go get strung out in Ventura. I had a whole plan. Yeah. What was it? Well, I got to hear this. (laughs) Um, well, I think it's, it's, so it happened twice, but the last time I had like a little bit of a nest egg of some money. Like if, you know, and like I was, I don't remember even what I was doing at the time. I was like going to Cuesta here and I was like the cook at my sober living full time. Oh, okay. And it was giving me like a half my rent off, but that's all I was really doing. So mm-hmm. I was like kind of just sitting around like thinking too damn much. Yeah. And so I just like kind of like got away from 12 step meetings and all that stuff. And I just started thinking and all of a sudden, it sounded like a good idea to go back down there, and I don't know, dope sounded good again, and <laughs> I thought I'd go buy a, you know, at least an ounce of heroin to, to start Damn. off with, and just to, you know, li- try to sell more than I would use, and that which like barely ever fucking happened, and like I didn't, I think I sold like a, a couple grams, <laughs> like that's all that. Ended up taking place, and I just locked out of, myself out of an ounce of dope. You sold two grams, and then you what personal for the rest? Um, yeah, but I, I just kept re upping. Like I, I just put myself in shitty motel rooms, and it was just like had a giant stash of syringes, and <laughs> like I would just order Dominoes to fucking 
like to to the motels I was at the shot out motel I may have been at at that time and yeah I, I just like kind of hung out by myself watched shitty AMC and just <laughs> did fucking giant shots that's that's what I did by yourself or yeah you? by myself <laughs> all alone oh my god wait what is street life like in Ventura because I have friends in Ventura it's not a very big city mm, well my stomping grounds were more Oxnard like I, I would go to Ventura a little bit and I used to live there off and on at different points of time in my life but um I don't know it's Ventura is different we'll we'll talk about Oxnard where I'm from I guess uh Oxnard is kind of wild like now they're kind of known for we we are known whatever for having a big giant, homicide rate yeah, I mean homeless now like, yeah. is another thing but yeah gang stuff and like it's kind of there's really ghetto pockets and like most of it's kind of kind of gnarly yeah every time I drive through Oxnard I'm like this looks like where you'd go to be murdered or murder someone uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like it's on the outskirts of LA County yeah and from my understanding is a lot of people who did like heavy dirt in LA would they go and hide out go there. try to hide out there yeah yeah, that happens. Like that, that does happen. We will get some of that. We get a mix, and I don't know. It's grown a lot since I was a little kid, and like it was. It's always kind of been known for shit like that. It's just gotten more so and bigger, and I don't know. It's not all bad though, but it's it's definitely a lot of places you want to be aware of what time it is, like how you're dressed, fucking who you're with. <laughs> Stuff like that. Because you'll get called out. Yeah, man. People will check you and be like, where are you from, Essie? <laughs> you know, you know, I'm half Mexican, and I'm, like, probably one of the whitest faces you're going to see around there. Yeah, so, so you're like, fuck, like, don't, why are you bothering me? Like, you don't look like you're a gangbanger. Um, I used to dress a little bit crazier. Sometimes I even, you know, do to this day. I don't know why that hasn't left me entirely. But I'm like a metalhead, so I'm, like, a little bit different yeah. now. Yeah, like, but there's a lot of there's a big punk rock scene down there and stuff. Oh, too. is there? Yeah, for sure. Nardcore. Never heard the 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 term Nardcore. Huh? See, no, I yeah. haven't. Yeah. So please, please uh, educate me. Um. So there's the, going back to the late '70s, early '80s, like when punk was just first getting big. There was a lot of like surf punk bands and like guys like your repute aggression and so the a lot of old school fucking heads that that are you know there was a strong punk scene like there and still is. beach and stuff or no oxnard man oh okay yeah. wow oxnard. all oxnard i was in a newer school nardcore band um later on and which i actually was not that big of a fan of like i actually liked being in the band because like i got drunk for free Every single night as a minor, it was it was cool. Yeah, I did that fun. a lot. I got a lot of free drinks and free pills when I was in L.A. But wait, what what prompted you to leave that area and get, like, back up here? The last time or just yeah. in general? Well, just this, yeah, this last time. The last time. All right, so I guess, like, I'll just, yeah, the what was going on the last time was I had burned through uh, that nest egg of money because I've, Found out that I was just a shitty drug dealer. I like to do drugs more than I like to deal with drug addicts and yeah, exactly. sell to them. And so I ended up running out of the money after about like a month and a half. And I just resorted to 
being homeless, which I was living on my in my car, which for me was not that bad because previously I was just I did not have a car. Like it was just homeless outside there, like finding random fucking places to sleep yeah. for years. Um for years. But so like I thought I was still doing okay. You know, at least I had some shelter from the cold. I could go like dip out and it made stealing shit a lot easier instead <laughs> of like like me and uh a family member who I would get loaded with where we would cruise around all of Ventura County and just hit fucking stores like just to try to change it up because we burnt ourselves out throughout the Oxnard area. Yeah. We couldn't go anywhere without getting <laughs> recognized or fucking followed. Yeah. So like that's how I was making my money to support my habit and I don't know, man, it was just miserable and I had some clean time before so I kind of just knew, like, like half this time I was trying to get into a place. Like, I was trying to get into a place in Ventura. I knew that was to take me for free. I was trying to get back into my old sober living in San Luis. And nothing was panning out. So I was just, like, kind of giving up hope. But um, I just got on the phone. Like, I, I was waiting for the connect. <laughs> like, in Oxnard, we were just waiting to score to just, like, I don't know typical day like and we're just killing some time and i for some reason called uh, the old manager of my sober living here in, in san Luis, and he answered the phone i was just calling him to say what's up but yeah. he actually he asked me if i wanted to come back and like i was elated because i was you know like trying to get clean for a minute but i just did not have the resolve to just like give up what I was doing in my hometown and just kick cold turkey, like living in my car. Just for some reason I felt like I needed the, the safe space. Like I, I, I couldn't pull it off otherwise. So I think I, uh, I ended up going the next day <laughs> is what I did. Just you drove back up here. Yeah, I did. And man, like that whole, I ended up leaving like sometime around noon and, I think uh, we were just, like, doing a rip and return and just, like, stealing from all these places and just fixing and fixing and fixing and fixing. And, like, I could not fucking get loaded enough. Like, <laughs> I, I was sick by the time I got here. It took, like, three hours, and I started already feeling kind of, like, a little bit sick. And I had already done, like, eight issues. Like Really? Your not, tolerance was like that? Yeah. Yeah, it was high. Like, they weren't, like, monster ones, but, like, I, I just, like, it didn't seem like no matter what I did, it was like never good enough, and it was just like frustrating to get loaded rather than enjoyable. So it was just yeah, by all, that point, it's not worth it. All around, it was just fucked up. Yeah, so I was just kind of not into it, not into the people I was around. You know, I was also doing lots of methamphetamine, um, make shots, or yeah, and smoking it too. Yeah, uh, both like kind of like some because honestly, meth would kind of hit me like too damn hard it always did that to me and it would start to make me just feel fucking sick because i'm a full-blown like heroin was definitely it was more of my thing but me too everyone always has meth like i never really had to pay for the stuff and oh yeah so i mean i couldn't turn it down when it was offered to me and then i'd regret doing it like pretty (laughs) much every fucking time yeah and so that with alcohol and uh, crack which is something i hadn't done for like 10 years like prior to that point um yeah so it was 
not cool. <laughs> just no. It fun. seems like uh, it seems like meth is like a drug that's usually given out freely amongst drug users, but uh, the heroin, everyone is like hesitant to give out free. You oh, have to yeah, pay for that. That's like gold. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like half the time people would want to give me meth. I'd just be like, I don't even know what the fuck to do with this. Like I don't, my body, I'm not going to get sick if I don't have meth. Like I'll be all right. Yeah. I'll be fine. Like, did you ever do a shot of meth while you're dope sick? Oh yeah. It was yeah. horrible. It's horrible. Um, for yeah. at least for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had some, I've, there, I think I would just try to, like fast forward my sickness a couple days. It seems like almost it does that. Yeah. If you do enough, like so, I got like fucking psychosis status. Like oh, instantly. Like did, yeah, I did way too much. I remember just cruising around all night, like nowhere to go. A couple times, uh, fucking just wandering around the streets of Oxnard. Yeah, because out. it's like you're you're spun out. You want to do something, but if you're homeless, you got very little like activities to partake in unless it's like ripping and running and shit yeah and being homeless like and tweaking is is a stupid combination yeah not very fun i'd rather be spun out in jail than in than homeless because <laughs> at you, least you could play cards or like read a book or like make sure you do like every single minute of your time yeah <laughs> you get no reprieve from it whatsoever <laughs> no yeah I, I did meth like three times in la county and it was just like play rummy all night or write a million letters to people, or read a book and clean my bunk like fifty times. <laughs> That's usually what I would do, you know. But no. So wait, uh, you came back here and went to sober living up here, yes. and then you had to what? Do the steps all over and. Um, the guy I was working with at that time didn't make me start over because I was already like, on eight. Like yeah, I was working it out of. Um, the big book I was doing at AA steps at that time. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, so no, he didn't make me start over because like I'd put a shitload of effort into it and already and I don't know for whatever reason he didn't make me start over. And you've been clean ever since then. So ever since how then. much clean time do you have? What is it now? Um, I could check my app on my phone. I could tell you exactly how long. Yeah, I need to get that app. Yeah, it makes it easier. So I don't have to really pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Um. What is it? Two years, ten months, twenty six days. Oh, nice! So you're coming up on three years. Yeah, and so three years is coming up. Yep. And so you, uh, you went, and then you transitioned into working in, within like the rehabilitation, like yeah. facilities. Like I did that after I had a year clean. Uh, at first, I was I had just like what all of us like to call an early recovery job or get me well fucking job at the 99 cent store and oh god that must have been a nightmare it wasn't that bad really you know actually it was cool like i kind of i worked in the freezer and refrigerator and i like oh you don't have to deal with the public as much no my boss didn't fuck with me i just like got to do my own thing and it was not honestly it was it was cool i didn't make shit for money but i didn't need too much money to pay rent like it, yeah it, it actually was great just wasn't something to do for more than a year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, I've seen what happens to people who work jobs like that for five plus years, and then they get kind of stuck in it, and it's just like... Yeah, that seems like a easy way to contemplate getting loaded again or something oh, like that. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, um, But after a year, then I started working in a recovery field. Yeah. Like, what position were you doing? Like, were you... Uh, doing intakes or were you like doing testing or what, what do they have you do so we, 
Yeah. Um, initially, so the way this place is set up, like just out of respect, I can't, uh, you know, disclose where I'm working, but no, that's yeah. fine. Um, the, the way this place is set up, there's just like a bunch of houses kind of like placed around the, the, the county over here. Mm-hmm. And it's just more for like a smaller amount of clientele. It's not like um, other places like I've been to treatment and like places that are for lower end, like free fucking programs where you're packed in kind of like sardines and Mm -hmm. like it's a little bit more grimy and ghetto and this place is a little bit nicer. So um, the way it goes there is it's just like set up at a house and... Uh, all their medications are just like kept in a little med office. Yeah. And we're also like, I was stationed in one of these houses as a peer support specialist. And like what is commonly you'll hear more as just like a tech. Yeah. Uh, that's what that is. Like, cause there's a lot of recovery places in LA where that that's where I've, the term I've heard to describe my position. Um, so I'm I'm kind of helping these people out with everything, taking them to meetings, um, just there to talk about recovery stuff, like to kind of keep them on the schedule that they're assigned at the house because they have to, you know, they have these groups they got to do. They have like scheduled workout time, time to go to meetings. And like I'm there to just like kind of facilitate all that and help them with other needs and their medication needs and Help them set up doctor's appointments. It's yeah, kind of quite a bit. So, um, yeah, like, I'm sure, like, people do try to get away with shit. I mean, it's not just, like, a smooth sailing operation. Like, I know you can't get into specifics about that, but it's, like, I'm sure things happen where there's fights or people try to, like, get loaded or, you know, like... They smuggle things in and then um, other people go out like and I'm sure all of that happens. But it's like what is like what protocol is there for that? It's like you if you test dirty, you're out and you don't get let back in basically or. Um, well, I yeah, Brian already knows this. I, I also I'm, I'm, I have a volunteer job, which doesn't really make sense because I get free rent at the sober living that I move back to a few years back um and so i work there and i work at this other place so i'm doing this shit like 24 7 yeah but the two places um like beliefs and policies and the way they approach recovery are very very different oh okay. like the sort of living place i live at is zero tolerance like you can't take any kind of controlled medications like no benzodiazepine no suboxone uh, no fucking opioids, like, no, nothing like, nothing fun. Yeah. It's so, like nothing that'll like give you a false positive either. Like no Benadryl. Like it's, what if you had a yeah. major surgery you had planned and like they, it's case by case basis. So okay. like, um, that, that's a, to the discretion of our manager. If he wants to like, you know, let this person do that and work something out. Like we're not tyrants yeah but you know we'd like to keep that shit away just because it's just too dangerous exactly and so this is better if it's not around but the place the the recovery the rehab i work at they do allow that they they have more of like a 
uh, what is the damn term? Yeah, they allow stuff like that. It's it's more, you know, they their their approach is different in in terms of getting people off of stuff. Like they it's kind of more of like the, along the lines of kind of harm reduction, as I can see. I mean, we're mm-hmm. not it, like, besides like encouraging them to get loaded. I I feel at least like it to me. It's not like old school recovery where it's just like, you know. Complete abstinence. Complete abstinence, like, and it's a controversial thing in, in twelve step programs too. Like, none of these things are connected, but they are connected. Yeah. It's funny how that works. No, that's what I've noticed is like, a lot of fellowships have this weird stigma about them culturally, where it's like, even if it's unspoken, where it's like, if you take certain medications, whether it be Suboxone or if you do Kratom or if you're on even Gabapentin or something, there's like a negative stigma against that. Yeah. Especially with the old school heads. You're like diet clean or something. Like it's, you're not exactly like, I don't know. I, for, I just know for me that I would be leery of doing any shit like that. I would just be like concerned. But like if other people find a way to do that and still work steps whatever like i don't give a fuck like yeah you could do whatever like i'm in a place that doesn't allow it and i just because i know it's less tempting and it's because i I, one thing i notice people doing is they they'll use it just as their end-all be-all answer for for their um addiction and then not like further recovery for their illness like (laughs) and yeah they won't do recovery stuff they'll believe like if i just substitute like my drug of choice with this other fucking synthesized drug that's supposed to block my opiate receptors and whatever like that's all i have to do right it doesn't really seem to work out that way that's that's how i feel about it at least so you feel like there's better success success rates with um complete abstinence and and practicing step work it seems better just from observation like i and I just for fucking me, like, that's what I would prefer to do. But, you know, to each their own. I'm not going to judge someone because they're do I, doing right? that. Like, that's if that's the way they want to try it. I know I tried doing stuff like that. I've done methadone programs four times, and it, it was just a, te- it was a quick temporary fix. But then I'd taper off, and tapering off that was a fucking nightmare it was a nightmare i think i heard you talk about that on your other podcast yeah yeah uh i well i did methadone maintenance twice which was actually easier to taper off even though it was longer and then 21 detox 21 day detox 21 day one is brutal 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 especially when you get like down to the last three milligrams like i never made it that far every time like honestly no because like they, they wouldn't at least the places i went they would start us at too low of a dose already. So I was just like hurrying within my first three days, no matter what. Yeah. So I'd just be like, no, nah, put me on maintenance. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I went to the one in Santa Maria uh, and they started me at 40 milligrams. And then they have different like slopes of like how f- fast to taper you. But when I got to like the last three days, it was like they, they just shit like they taper you off way too fast and then it was like it was like i wasn't like super sick where it was like i wasn't getting hot cold chills but i was just super lethargic i didn't want to like i was lazy i had no energy i could barely like get up out of like my chair and so it was like i was like immediately after that i just went out and relapsed and what was crazy is 
you know, like the times I did methadone before wasn't like that hard, but like before I did this lat, the very last 21 day detox, I had moved, I moved back here from LA and, um, <laughs> it was a crazy story. I, I, uh, I had a gnarly habit down there because I was doing like black tar, but then they had this crazy China white that they called the magic. So I, mm. whether it has fentanyl in it or not, it probably did. But I'll, we were like moving all my, our, my stuff up and, uh, we loaded it up in a, in like a rider truck or whatever. And we do our last shots like, okay, we're going to detox up here. Me and my girlfriend <laughs> at the time. And so I sneak my girlfriend in my house, you know, <laughs> just hiding her in my room. And, uh, you know, first night was brutal. Like I, uh, I was like tossing and turning restless leg syndrome was bad. I, I, I managed to get some sleep, but I woke up just the whole bed was just drenched in sweat and I was freezing and I was like, Oh, this is horrible. It was so wet. I like went and laid out on my couch and, uh, <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, I felt horrible. So then the next day I'm still laying in bed all day. I'm like drinking Kratom and it's barely helping. And so we go over to the, the methadone clinic on uh, Wednesday and uh, they're like, the the doctor won't be in until Friday. So we can't oh, give two you... Two days? Yeah, we can't give you a dose <laughs> until Friday. Fuck so God. we were like, fuck. So we were signed up and trying to get in. And so that night was brutal. And then Thursday we're laying there and I'm like, fuck, I have to wait another day. This is, this is not the business. So, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, uh, texts our, our dealer in down in LA. Cause I just moved up here. I knew nobody, Oh, you had no, plugs. no plugs up here. <laughs> so she texts our, our dealer, Jose down in LA, like front and he had like the hots for her. So he was like, he, she was like, yeah, front us a, a bag of, of, <laughs> of, uh, of magic. And he's like, okay. So she's like, yeah, Jose will give us a bag right now if we make she it down there. She probably just left the part out about how you guys are not living down there and not going to pay it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So she's like, if we go to LA right now, we can get, we can get some. He'll front it to us. And I was like, laying there thinking about it. I just took some Kratom and I'm still sick. And I'm laying there, I'm like, I'm like, fuck it, let's go. So then we just... We just dip out, get in my car, and just drive to, back to L.A. Now, this is like a 180-mile drive, like three-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And I have a half tank of gas and no money. <laughs> so I'm, like, driving on the freeway. I am so sick, I can barely, like, keep my hands on the steering wheel. Oh. And I, ju- I did one more thing at Kratom, and it, it helped for, like, an hour. And I'm like, dude, I'm getting sick again. And by the time we're making it into the city, like the fuel light pops on. So I'm like, Oh my God, are we going to run out of gas and be stranded in like the Valley or a thousand Oaks? Like this is not good. This is so bad. So she is like texting her mom in Indiana, trying to get her to wire us money through like money or Walmart union, Walmart money transfer or whatever to get gas, to get back up. And so we end up getting to downtown LA we put like 75 cents in my tank to meet this guy and we get to the Walmart uh, and their money, their money transfers down. There's so we can't get money there and we're like, well, fuck, we'll deal with that later. So then we go to, uh, yeah, we're like in the, like downtown, like, like two blocks away from Skid Row 
and I park in this gas station and she's like, all right, I'm going to go walk and meet him. And that the, the like 10, 15 minutes she was gone, I'm just dying. Like worst dope sickness I ever felt in my life. Like so bad. Like that China, I guess that he says it's China white, but it, it was probably fentanyl. Who knows? But I was just like <laughs> so sick and I'm just like, hurry the fuck up. And she finally comes back and we got our little hype kits and I didn't even like go park somewhere else. I just, I'm like, dude, I'm doing this right here. So we're in this parking lot in this gas station. There's people everywhere around us and I'm just cooking it just right there. Without shame. Uh, no, no fucks shit. given. No, no, zero fucks given. Yeah. Cause it's like, dude, I was so sick. I'm like, I'm not driving anywhere. I'm putting this on my body right now. I'm getting well. <laughs> and we, uh, I just threw a shit ton in, and we, uh, I piggybacked half of it in her rig and we do it. And I'm like, still sick like and i'm like fuck like it took like a good 15 minutes for me even to feel the effects so i'm like all right we're doing another one and we do another one why would it take so long i don't know i think it's just because i was so sick or something but i know i registered but it was just like so then we did another one and then i start to feel normal like well and then I'm like, all right, we're doing a third one. Fuck it. And because we're going to do methadone tomorrow. So I was like, so then we do another one and now we're loaded. And now we're like, all right, how are we going to get gas money to get back home? <laughs> so then we had to drive from downtown all the way to like Pasadena or a little bit past Pasadena, Arcadia to the other Walmart, get $40 wired to us and then drive all the way back. And then I got on methadone for 21 days. But then as soon as we tapered, we were like, Felt shitty again. Not as sick, but it was just like... It was a matter of time before we just relapsed again. It was fucking... It was a total nightmare. Yeah, methadone is a stupid asteroid. Well, yeah, they, they call it like liquid handcuffs. Like, it, it was just like... It, it is. I, I mean, the maintenance one, they would only max you out to taper like five milligrams a week or every other week. So that wasn't that bad. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like... The, the worst part was like... Having to like wait to get take homes, and then you have to show up there every day. And if you miss a dose, you're fucked. Like yeah, uh, one of the first times I got arrested is I was on methadone, and I, they wouldn't give me take homes. But I was working at the weed dispensary, and um, what ended up happening was uh, we were driving back from here. I we had come up for the holidays or something, and on the way back I got pulled over, and there was a shit ton of weed inventory in the trunk. And I had a warrant out. So then I had to do a night in the holding tank, get released. And I'm telling the owner of the dispensary who picked me up, I'm like, uh, I need to go. I have a doctor's appointment right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't want to tell him I'm on methadone. So he drives me all the way to this methadone clinic. And they're closed. I missed the the dosing times. So now I had to do a whole day without like 80 milligrams of methadone. And that was a fucking brutal nightmare. It was just like so not worth it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I was on methadone maintenance for five years, so... Five years? Five years, yeah. What was the highest you were getting? Dose. You know, I never went past 80 because I already knew that, like, I I wanted to... I, I, my reasoning was... But now that I look at it, I, I see it different. But at the time, when I was, like, in my... This was, like, 10 years ago. I was in my mid-20s. Um, I was thinking, like... Like, I didn't want to be a slave to that stuff either. Yeah. And, like... uh, It's almost worse than being on heroin. Yeah, that was my thinking, but, like, I think really what was going on was I wanted to be able to get loaded because I tried to slam on top of the 80 a few times and I couldn't feel it. Like, I just, like... scary. Actually, I... Well, I just didn't get high. Like, it was... That's technically a blocking dose from my understanding. Yeah. Um, And 
So I was like, oh, yeah, definitely they'll take me harder than that. Like, I can't shoot up and feel it. But I kind of, like, I did okay for a little bit where I wasn't fucking around with black. But I had them just, like, taper me, like, five a week for a while until I got down to 40. And then I could start feeling it again, like, around, like, 50 or 55, 60, something like that. So then I had the both habits. And that was before, um, I think, Medi-Cal was even paying for it or I just didn't qualify something like that. Like, so I was, I was paying out of pocket for the methadone and the heroin habit. <laughs> and like, I was just trying to do this, like working a regular job too. Like I had no fucking hustle or anything at this point. So it was just such a major pain in the ass. It was awful. It sucks. <laughs> um, so wait, Oh, you know what I just remembered is, uh, right when you hit your two year mark, I think I had just graduated drug court and I asked you to be my sponsor. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to make a public apology for being probably the worst sponsee ever. I was like, Oh dude, I, I, I mean, you probably already knew, but like you were like, all right, call me every day for 30 days and I can never hold that down. And then there was so many times I'd be like super loaded and I'd be calling you like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to a meeting today. Like, Oh Yeah. And it was just so fucked off, dude. It was, it was just like, I don't even know what you, what your thoughts of me were at that time. But. No apologies necessary. Um, my thoughts were just wanting to see you get better. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I told you I was going down to the facility. I was like, now you're like, dude, get into where I'm at. And I was like, dude, I have no money. And he was like, you're, you're like, your parents are going to help you. And I was like, no, no, they're done with me. Like, they scheduled an intervention on me with our family therapist, and I was so pissed off because I was like, oh, I can't get high anymore. Like, this is bullshit. (laughs) But then I finally came around, and I was like, all right, yeah, this is probably what's for the best. Because, dude, at that time, I mean, a little after I kind of just, like, stopped calling you because I just gave up, uh, I was, like, rolling around with, like, this city's, like, worst, like, people, like... People who are just ripping everyone off, ripping each other off, ripping off stores. I like uh, someone you probably know tried to steal my car. It was like I was literally like, um, oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, I almost yeah. had my car stolen. I would let people drive my car around because I was like, well, my license is suspended, so I definitely don't want to get pulled over. So I'll <laughs> let you drive my car and do whatever you got to do. Just get me high. And then I'm just going on crazy, horrible adventures with people. And just, like, it, it was Yeah, I used nightmare. to love that shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was fun at first, but then after a while, I got super old. And then I was just like, oh, this is not the business. Um, and <laughs> it was just a nightmare. I, I would, <laughs> people would be like, oh, take me to this store. I need to return something and then I'd be waiting in the car and they'd be running out with power tools and shit in my car and like, like, let's get out of here. And I'm like, holy fuck, you just made me an accomplice and didn't even tell me what's going on. That's the, I at least like to know what's happening. Yeah. At least, at least warn me that's what's going on. So I I can be on alert. People would do that to me and just not say nothing. And yeah, I just like, at least let me know I need to be on alert to bounce, like and leave fast. Yeah, exactly. Like, then I won't be just, like, get caught in the middle of doing something else or wander off or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, what have you noticed uh, has been going on in this town as far as, like, addiction? I've From what I've heard, fentanyl is everywhere up here now. 
um, and just not even laced in drugs, just like pure fentanyl. Pure. I've been hearing that a little bit. Um, you know, I don't really have my ear to the street too much, like in terms of like talking with a lot of people that are actively getting loaded, but I do hear when people try to come into recovery or come into my rehab or come into the sober living I'm at that I'll, I'll hear, I've been hearing stuff about that. And that's, a, that sounds like a, what a ridiculous thing to get strung out on. Like entirely. That is fucking dangerous. No, it's horrible. Scary. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, um, no. And like, even if it's like, for, from what I suspect is like, even if they're lacing it in the tar here, I mean, these are, these are just fucking kids and they're not doing it with the most pr- like, like, provision and they're like there's got to be hot spots of like oh, chunks yeah. of fentanyl in it yeah. so it's like you get the wrong batch and you just get one little hot spot and you're toast you know um and it's like i'm sure if you're dope sick enough you're going to take what's ever available and if you can't get a hold of a plug you're going to do fentanyl but i don't know like it just seems like it doesn't last as long the the fucking withdrawal is worse and it's just not yeah, I can't imagine, dude. I, I never withdraw from this stuff. That that none of that sounds like those are negatives. Those are not positives. Those are not good things. Well, yeah, and <laughs> in today's times, like now is a perfect time to get clean because it's like it, it just doesn't seem like worth it to be strung out now when there's that much more. I mean, it was dangerous enough when I was rolling around, but now it's like what the fuck is it's like way more of a risk now i don't even understand why that crap exists like besides maybe population control <laughs> yeah that's that's no. one of my conspiracy theories <laughs> but what what i suspect is uh i think cartels and stuff think okay you get it's like you can traffic less and have more product basically because it's more potent yeah so it's like more of a cost effective thing it's like you're getting more product but with less space taking up. So it's it's about making more money with less risk. And less that shorter half life too. It all makes it fucking and it plus, makes it so they make more money. Yeah, yes. I'm sure there's people who just spike their whatever shitty drugs with it just so they can get people hooked on other drugs that are have less potency and But and the people are like pressing it into like Xanax and like fucking anything. Basically it's showing up in everything. In meth even. Yeah, in meth Which sounds horrible. Like if you're a if you're a tweaker you don't want to yeah, be falling they, asleep. <laughs> those diehard tweakers are like not about it. Like there's some of them that don't do not want any part of opioids. I would if I was wired that way, which I am not, I'm sure I would be pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be. I would be. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, and it, uh, with pressed pills, it seems like that's been a problem up here too, because like all the Xanax up here seems to look pressed from when I was like, have like seeing it or dealing with it. it I feel like an old man because I maybe I just wasn't aware or I wasn't buying a lot of pills, but I didn't realize like that was even there was even a market for that stuff. I just thought like just. It was people selling scripts, so I guess it I'm was like, at first. But yeah. then I think the demand got so high there weren't enough scripts to to sell. And uh, sounds about right. You know, people pressing pills. It's like people want to make money, so it's like the, it's an easier it's an easier alternative for them. And I, I mean, the sound crowd, the SoundCloud rap generation kind of spurred off Lean and Xanax. That's like the cool thing amongst millennials yeah. now, which is just like so dumb. I never liked benzos unless I was dope sick and I couldn't sleep. Then I'm like, all right, I'll take this. 
and then I can sleep. But yeah. I had no attraction to benzos. That usually that's like one of my fucking weird shit usually end up like it just all that ever ended up happening to me when I and I had like a good little run when I was like everyday meth, heroin, benzos and like fucking malt liquor and like hard <laughs> liquor. So I'm just like trying to like astral project or something just like <laughs> gets so loaded that I can't even remember what my name is. Like I would just end up waking up somewhere with no recollection and no, it's like, I like to be conscious during like my fucking, when I would get high, like, I don't want to like not remember anything. Right. You know? And I usually be blacking out like multiple times. Like I remember blacking out, dropping my bag of pills and then being like, dude, I just had a bag of pills in my hand and they disappeared. And the person next to me probably pilfered them off, you know, <laughs> was like, this just doesn't sound that attractive to me. I no, I, I don't like, yeah, I've, see, my thing about being a heroin addict and getting a tolerance to it was like, I felt like I, I didn't really have control cause like I would sacrifice everything for it. But yeah, like I felt like I had my wherewithal and like I wasn't belligerent and like I wasn't going into psychosis and stuff like that. It's like, that was always my, my contention for choosing that over other things. Like, well, I feel like I have it more together than you. I'm just <laughs> sitting here scratching my nuts and like nodding out a little bit. But other than that, I'm I did that a lot. I did a lot of groin scratches on opiates. <laughs> I don't know why the groin is the itchiest spot of the body when the, you're high on opiates. It totally goes away after like the first year or two. You have a habit. It, oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, when you start up, especially on pain pills, I would just be like, dude, I, my body itches, but I'm willing to put up with it just so I can get loaded. That was my, I don't know. It's crazy, though, how that justification is, like, because I do the exact same thing. I'd be, like, even when I was in drug court, I managed to escape. I don't know how I graduated that program, because after the holidays hit and me and Ryan had, like, relapsed, I was able to, like, put it down and flush just enough time to, like, over the weekend to test clean the following week. So I And everyone else <laughs> I knew that tried couldn't do it, and then they'd all get busted. So I was like, oh, well, I'm not addicted. I, I am able to put it down and get away with passing a test i'm not like all these people <laughs> just risking all freedom and all kinds of shit just, oh it was horrible just for a couple nights of fun oh i know and then <laughs> dude one time it got so bad i i uh i got loaded and i knew there was a, a th there was like a holiday coming up because anytime a holiday landed on a friday or a monday i knew drug and alcohol testing would be closed for at least three days and i was like oh, oh yeah everyone's window yeah, yeah that's that's my gap to like to have a little bit of fun for one or two nights and then put it down. And that's what I did. And then uh, I was doing a, a side job catering for someone that you probably know. And I showed up to the catering gig just super loaded. And uh, I said I was sick or something, so I got sent home. And she, uh, the said individual ended up snitching me out to our counselors. <laughs> and uh, so Monday hits and I'm at my regular job, not feeling the best, but... Uh, they call me up and they're like, what's up? I'm like, nothing. What's, what's going on? And they're like, oh, I need you to come in and test. And immediately I'm like freaking out and I jump into like damage control. I'm like, oh, well, I'm at the ER. I had a bad reaction to antibiotics and I'm throwing up or something. <laughs> and they're like, I mean, from my understanding, they said, oh, okay, we'll just, you know, come in later or something. But I heard like, you know, you know, come in at the next time we have a, program or a group or something so I was like okay I bought myself some time and I'm in the clear or, or they said like bring in your ER paperwork so then I had to get out of work 
and go to the ER and fake symptoms to get ER paperwork because I knew that was the only way I was going to get out of this drug <laughs> yeah, test. Yeah, you fucked yourself right there. Yeah. So then I show up and I, I bring the paperwork and they're like, you're supposed to come in after you got out of the ER. And I was like, oh, you guys didn't say that. And they're like, yeah, we did. <laughs> so I was like, but by that, by then I knew I was clean. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I just went and did a weekend in jail for a missed test because uh, during then, I guess drug court, you had, they had all this, like this, uh, this, like the whole system of sanction time where it's like you miss your first missed test, you do a, a weekend, your second missed test, you do like four days and so they, it's like, um, I knew I would rather get a weekend in jail for a missed test than to like do a week in jail or 10 days in jail and have to restart the program. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. You know? So I would just miss tests or, or whatnot. And that weekend in jail was fucking horrible because like they take forever to house you and then you turn yourself in on a Friday. So you're in there like for hours on a Friday and you just see all these drunk people come in, people who are like bloody knuckles or who just got hit by a car or just belligerent <laughs> drunk. And you just see that like the, the worst aspects of society get locked up and then you're stuck in there. It was a nightmare. And then I, I remember like from what I understand is uh slow County is like 60, 65% PC. So, uh, really? Yeah, that's what everyone's been telling me. And so um, the the wing I was in, I used to go to 800 when it was general population, but now that's a PC pod. And so they all the uh, the decks, like the I deck and L deck or whatever, that used to be for PC, that's where general pop goes. Oh, they kind of switched. Yeah, because there's no room. There's, yeah. Like, so I was stuck in, like, and, the, and that one isn't like a dorm. It's like... It's like a small little like little eight bunk like area and you got actual metal bars and you're watching TV through metal bars. Were you in a cell? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was in IDEC at the end of the hall and, uh, you know. Cell living's better than dorm living. You think so? Like any day, yeah. I, I hate being in a dorm. It fucking sucks. Because there's more people or just what? Just the noise, yeah. The people, stuff. Like I like being able to, like just like the only thing that could potentially sometimes it does suck like if your celly is a jackass yeah or fucking psycho or something then are you guys just don't get along then that sucks but like at least you get some quiet it's like you are stuck in that cage all day but it's for me with my add i cannot read yeah. Like when I'm out in on, in a day room or in some oh because everyone's talking they won't shut up yeah I, I my ADD just will not I'll just like be staring at the book and like all I want to do is just bury myself in books and like exercise and eat spread and that's like all I want to do yeah play, play some cards maybe whatever yeah. yeah the dorms it was like always like fifty plus people and you have to deal with all those personalities so I can see that where you're just dealing with eight if you get a good group of people it's not that bad right but oh dude um. We had a guy in there who was super dope sick and he shit his pants in his nice. bed. Yeah. <laughs> and there's only one shower. So he's literally washing his fucking boxers out in a shower. And so I was like, oh. oh, I wonder how long they took him to give him a change of clothes, too. I don't know because I was like, dude, I'm doing a weekend in jail. So I know I'm getting out on Monday or Sunday. So I'm not good. I'm not stepping foot in that shower. It looks horrible. 
And then there's shit all over the floor. I didn't even stick my head to look in. It, it <laughs> smelled horrible over there anyway. Oh, man. I mean, and like on I deck, there was no. They didn't give us any cleaning supplies, so we didn't really have much means to keep that area clean. So I just kind of just stuck on the spider tables in my bed and and just did my time. But I remember there. <laughs> Was someone there had hidden some fucking some meth behind like this like slab of wall where the shower was and they were trying to fish hook it out and they were just like to because they this dude was so dope sick he was like they were trying to sell it to him and he was like calling on the phone trying to get money on his books to, or their books to get it and they could never fish it out it was so funny <laughs> and I was just like this is fucking ridiculous and you would hear people like slant I I remember. Uh, this was right when, uh, uh, my co-host Ryan got, it was before he had gotten sent over to, uh, the rehab I'm at now and he was doing time. He had turned himself in and he, we were flying kites to each other. Me and Ryan were flying kites to each other. Like, well, what's going on? What are you doing? And, uh, he was waiting to get transferred down to inpatient and I'm in drug court still just like, Oh God. So, um, his cell, he had like had some kind of psychotic episode and was like slamming his head against the table and you could hear it from down the hall. It was, it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> and so I was just like, I can't. And then, uh, that whole, like right before I had turned myself in that whole issue where the dude, uh, got, uh, was killed because he was in a restraint chair for 72 oh, hours yeah. that had just happened. So the, the jail's already being investigated then and then uh, from what Ryan said that someone had put like a fake bomb in front of the jail and it was like a bomb threat in protest, but it was like a fake bomb. So they were on lockdown for like like weeks and stuff. It was just <laughs> fucking insane. That jail is like crazy. I've only gone there once. I don't know. Like what, what, what would you say? I, say? I ask a bunch of people this, but what would you say to anyone listening who's like struggling with addiction right now? And, like, what advice would you give them? <clears throat> yeah. Man, that's always a hard one. Just to, I, I'm always scared. I guess it falls on deaf ears, but I guess I know that wasn't the case for me. Um, I, I guess probably, like, the common thing I think most of us have when we're like that, when we're getting loaded, like, I always would feel, like, very isolated and alone. Like, I was a human island or something yeah like no one else like could understand or like the shit i was going through um yeah i I would say that that's you know to for people to keep in mind that that's not true like a lot of us have been there me too you know homeless for fucking years like i thought i was just gonna die with a from an overdose or something and i thought i was just gonna die from addiction one way or another or like some doing something violent to get drugs, you know, something like that. I thought that's how I was going to go. So I was pretty hopeless. So I just remember that fucking, as long as, you know, your heart beats, like you, you know, you still have a chance. Yeah. If you're still breathing, like there's still a chance you could turn things around. Even if you relapse, there's a fucking chance. Yeah. As long as we were like, it's only over when it's actually over and you're in the grave. Like until then, like all of us have a chance at having a better life. And that's rock bottom for me. Yeah. It's like, in my opinion, it's like that there, I don't think there is such thing as rock bottom. I think that's only when you're dead. It's like, you can always sink lower, but it's like, what I've noticed is like a lot of people I've, known that do relapse they have like such a fear of returning to the rooms 
because they don't want to stand up as a newcomer and Everyone's stuff. Everyone's embarrassed and ashamed. And yeah, so it prevents them from even showing up in the first place, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, that's a common thing. Like, uh, everyone just, uh, there's, there's, I'm sure there's a, 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 a variety of things that goes into people not wanting to come back. It's embarrassing. Like, I'm having done it, like, for many, many years, walking back in like that. It's a little bit of a blow to the ego and, and you have to really face it because, like, you know, like, these things, these people are going to tell you are true and it's shit that you're not going to want to hear and you're going to have to do a lot of things you're not going to want to have to do and getting clean sucks. Yeah. But it's all, like, necessary if you want a better life, you know? Like, it's the beginning part is hard. Yeah. So, like, I'll never try to tell you that it is easy, like, but... Um, it, it definitely gets better, right? Like you, you have a little bit of time now, so you can oh, yeah. speak to that. Yeah, I and I haven't even begun to reap all the rewards from it. Like, I mean, my fucking life was a, a nightmare at the end. I mean, you know, overdosing and fucking getting punched in the face to get revived because no one could find the Narcan in my room. Oh, shit. Yeah, crazy ass shit. Yeah, but it's like, uh. I think the physical aspect of getting clean, the withdrawal and stuff, that's nothing. The the mental and emotional uncomfort I had to do with like facing who I was and letting go of the past and not being in regret or fear, that was like or like figuring out all the little character defects and behavioral like things that I was doing that caused me to even like cause my life to like lead me to where it was. And having to correct all that and being uncomfortable with with my step four and reliving all the fucked up moments of my past and then making amends to people who I really didn't want to make amends to, like that was like the uncomfortable thing for me. But the the right. the things I've gained from do like being where I am and doing what I'm doing, it's it's like I wouldn't I mean, if that's what I had to do, then that's what I have to do. Like but I get it, like um, I get how hard it is, but it's like, it's easier than having to wake up sick and figuring out how you're going to make money that day to get like, well, like, yeah, it's, it definitely beats that. It's for, for sure a million times better. And it's like, takes a, it's a process to get there. Yeah. It's, it doesn't happen right away. And, and yeah. And it, and even now, like, oh, I have like just over six months, but it's like, I know like clean time for the most part, in my opinion, doesn't really mean shit because it can take one fucking mistake for me to go back to zero. You know, I had friends here who had three solid years and relapsed and some of them did return and they're, they're doing the thing again. And some of them are just like, I'm not coming back. Like, fuck that. So it's like, I know like I'm a series of like bad, like, perceptions or bad decisions into being right alongside anyone else who's in early recovery so you know like, yeah we're all addicts man we're all eligible and yeah i agree with you yeah i fully agree but it's like what or also let me ask you what what made you realize or what like thought process did you go through to like get the uh, motivation to like or like to realize like to practice like what you did to get where you are. Cause a lot of people would like look at your story. Um, 
and wonder how the fuck can I do that? You know, like, right. but yeah. what, what did it take for you to like get to, uh, a position where you were like ready to build momentum and actually do the do the thing. Um, well, let me let me should I awkwardly segue into a war story? Yes. After this, since we I haven't really done too much of that. Yes. Like yeah, I'll okay. I'll see what I could do. So ask the question one more time, just so I know I got it right. Like what what did it take for you to get that motivation to like? do the thing like was it just you're sick and tired or 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 did, was it like you um you were like i mean because a lot of people wonder like they're stuck in their shit and they don't know how to get out but what did it what was going through your head to to make you commit to like actually doing the, doing what to actually commit to doing it uh it's probably because i've been on the same merry-go-round for a long time and like my story has been one of just like many many attempts and like kind of just trying like various different ways of like cleaning up like because i think for the longest time what i wanted what i see a a lot of people want is like they want recovery but they also like want to have their cake and eat it too and like they want to be able to figure out a way to like like get loaded in a responsible way or something that's what i thought yeah like then so I spent years like trying to figure out a way just to dry out for a second, maybe, and then things would get, I'd get bored. And, and then just manage leave. it. Yeah, and then I'd fuck it all up. But I, after that cycle for so long and just seeing everything go to shit, like, I just, the last time around getting loaded was, was no fun. And, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think I just felt... I hate using the word done because that implies finality and like like we don't You're never you never yeah there's that. yeah I drink the Kool Aid of program of doing this thing a day at a time but that works for me because I don't have to worry about the future the future the past as much and I just have to handle what's in front of me fucking works what can I say um, I just I wanted something more man I I knew that I just wasn't enjoying like it was a burden to to try to figure out ways to stay loaded all the time and not to have my family in my life and to just try to find ways to, to stay well and stay out of jail. Like, and I wasn't very good at any of those fucking things. So <laughs> like I figured the next thing that was coming for me was dying or prison, which had never happened. So I was just trying to see if maybe I could do something else. You know, I was 33. I was just getting older, teeth falling out of my fucking head and the hepatitis C just, Nothing was cool, so... You think it was, like, a realization that that manageability that people let is, like, a pipe dream and that that's not achievable or attainable <clears throat> also? Like, I don't... I just decided to do it, and, like, I, I all I knew was, what was, like, kind of echoing in my head was, like, okay, I don't want to do this. This sucks. Like, and I was hating going to meetings at first, too. I, oh, I think everybody does. Like, I was not... Like, that had never been my experience. Like, I always kind of liked them. Oh, really? But this time, I was, like, hurting. Like, the first month, like, I was thinking about leaving every day. But I was like, all right, no matter what, I'm not going to just... I'm not going to capitulate and go back to my old ways. I'm just going to see what fucking happens, like, doing this recovery thing. If I, Regardless if I like it. Or I'm enjoying myself or not. Yeah. Like, because I know my head is going to tell me some bullshit and I just can't listen to it and follow those directions that tell me I should go and get loaded and fuck everything up and just, like, 
I can't say fuck it anymore. I just have to face stuff as opposed to yeah. running. I so. think for me, like, I'd go to meetings and I'd get a little bit out of it. But in the back of my head, I knew I was like, all right, as soon as I graduate prop 36, as soon as I graduate ADC, I'm going to go and reward myself <laughs> for graduating with, you know, with something, whether it be weed or, you know, okay. anything. A nice fat issue. Yeah, exactly. And that's usually <laughs> exactly what I did, even if it maybe like when as soon as I graduated drug court, I left the courthouse with my certification and, you know, in my suit and everything. And I went down to my storage unit and banged out an issue. Like it's the moment I walked out of that. Oh, court. it was already all set up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was already prepared. I think I'd gotten loaded the night before even. And I was just like, dude, can we get this over with so I can just like leave and get loaded? Because, like, <laughs> I knew I was, like, talking to, like, Lady Heroin in the back of my head. Like, you know, I'm gone for now, baby, but just you wait. I'll, I'm coming back to you, basically, you know? <laughs> and so I think it was, like, I think this last time for me it was, like, finally realizing, like, oh, there is n- no way I'm able to, like, dabble a little bit and then put it down. Even if I did do that successfully, I would keep testing the waters and be like, oh, well, I, I put it down then. I could do it a little more. And then I just keep pushing the limits until finally I'm strung out again. And now I'm just like fucking everything off. And I'm just, that became my full-time job. It was almost like two or three full-time jobs, you know, getting loaded, the the things I had to do to get the money to afford it. And then the third time job, full-time job is like hiding it from everybody. You know, it just got tiresome. And I finally realized that part is a bitch. I refused to do that in the end. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was impossible. Like, especially when I was adding like, cause once I started doing goofballs, I was like, Oh, I'm doing this every time now. And I, I, I had the ratio, like I tried to perfect the ratio where it's like, okay, four parts heroin, one part meth. Cause I was a lightweight on that shit. But sometimes I would Same not me. not get the shit right, and it, it was just a fucking nightmare. It was like it, it, it's like you can maybe for a little while hide your drug use when you're just doing heroin, but then when you start doing heroin and meth, there's no way I was able to like keep that. Like oh, yeah. everyone knew something was up with me. Meth puts you on blast. I always tell people if you're gonna relapse, just don't drink. Don't do meth because we're all going to know right away. Yeah. With either one of those things, we're going to find out real fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to smell you. If you're tweaking, we're going to know. Especially, yeah, especially in a sober living, like you have zero tolerance. And then especially if you bang a shot of meth, like people are going to know you're going to be noodle grooving (laughs) hard. That's what's like. And what's crazy is like we've had uh, people who are graduate, like someone just graduated from the house. And they walk, we were in the dining room doing like, it's like called flex time where you're like either working steps or reading out of the big book or whatever. And he showed up and this dude was like hardcore recovery when I was there. And then he graduated and he was good for a few months, but then he came back and he was so spun out. It was like, like people, if you don't know the term noodle grooving, like urban dictionary, that shit, cause he was noodle grooving so <laughs> hard. Like his, his jaw was all clenched and like. He thought he had it under control and staff was like, dude, don't go in there looking like that. You, you're a mess. And it's it just crazy. Aww. And then another dude who yeah. had some other dude who was a graduate had a few years under his belt, had a weird breakup with a girl and then got loaded. And I saw him stand up as a newcomer in a meeting. And then two days later, he crashed his brand new car he bought. And he, I don't even know where the fuck he is now. It, and it's like it, a part of me is like, okay, on one aspect, when I see people with years and years like relapse, it almost at my first initial reaction is like, 
oh man, they were doing so good. Like what chances do I have in survival in, in sobriety? But it's like that, I know that's the wrong mentality to have, but at the same, but then I, I try to use their negative, uh, decisions in, use it as like a lesson to be learned where it's like, okay, so that's all you could do with it. Really. Yeah. That's yeah. the only positive thing you can extract of, of someone's misery is, is you to don't need to turn it. it into fear for yourself. I mean, we're all eligible, but we're all clean right now. That's, that's all. We yeah. Do, you know? Yeah. And it, it will, and it, I mean, at the very end, it, it makes me take more precaution, uh, for myself to make sure I have a, some kind of, insurance that I have tools to fall back on if I get in a weird mental state or emotional state because I know that is easily like my my muscle memory knows like oh I got in a fight with my girl or shit's not going so well for me in my job or this I know like from past experience I have that route to go oh get loaded it'll melt away your problem but I know like I have to fight that off and do what I'm being taught in this program and stuff so it's it's not by any means like simple uh or you know it, it's like it's isn't it's not i forget what they say it's like it's easy but it's not simple or some shit yeah it, it, it's it's like it's just action it's like simple not easy the other yeah. Way around. yeah yeah so it's like yeah the the instructions are simple but it's not easy getting uncomfortable and doing the things that you initially your brain tells you you don't want to do oh it's by far the hardest fucking shit i've ever had to do but the best it's the most rewarding yeah rewarding like otherwise i who knows where i'd be yeah oh so the worst story i have to hear this but yeah okay so i could tell you where i was this is somewhere it could be again Uh um a lot of my stories just feel real dark for me. I remember you asked me to do this podcast a while back. Yeah. So I kind of try to think of something with a little bit of levity. <laughs> so we'll we can see. get into dark. We go. I mean, no, no. This is hopefully it's just funnier. Like no, usually they just my a lot of my memories just kind of bum me out. This one like is lame, but at least it's kind of funny. Okay, cool. I think so. Um, where I used to kind of stay often was. Uh, uh, my the one of the people I used to who was like my crime partner I just won't say his name it doesn't really matter no yeah. one's gonna know he was, it was my uncle my Theo um, and he kind of like mentored me in like how to survive in the streets how to like you know hustle and do stuff like that because before that I tried to just be like a regular guy with a job and a habit and like I fucking would end up like taking out three uh, like uh, what are those things called? Payday advances at once. Oh, I still owe and, like, like three on them. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I still owe three payday. So I'd like get paid at like seven hundred bucks and no nine hundred and just be like, oh fuck, like what am I gonna do? I still have to pay for dope for two weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna just be like pawning all my shit. So like, uh, I didn't want to go the criminal criminal route, but when I did, my uncle was there to like kind of show me the ropes. Yeah, like a lot of my family gets loaded. And he, I already knew this my whole life. He's been strung out. So, like, I used to run around with him. Like, um, eventually, like, when I had no place to go, like, you know, he would try to, we would, like, kind of take care of each other and stuff. Quote, unquote, air quotes. Um, And I I would stay in this, uh, in the projects with him. Like, uh, but I would stay, like, sometimes I couldn't crash at his pad because, uh, his old lady's grandkids would come over and I would not be allowed in 
There, it's not a nice place. It's fucking projects. And yeah. It's, it's like in one of the worst hoods in town. Like, probably the worst one. Jeez. There's a gang injunction there at 10 p.m. So, like, anyone that's seen as active gang affiliated, affiliated will be gaffled up and taken to jail. Wow. Like, so they, it gets quiet and just creepy over there. Past it's like a ghost town after when the sun goes yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's fucking weird. So I used to stay at, on this jungle gym, like in this little inner tube thing, like where you crawl in between to get to the fucking slide because I knew no one could see me right there. Yeah. So I would sleep on that like pretty often just because I felt like I was out of sight and I'd try to get a couple hours. And I, he was up early, so I knew he'd be ready to go. Hopefully by around like 6 a.m. every morning, yeah. I'd start blowing him up. And like we just sucked kind of as addicts man we did not have it going most of the time like we would try to sell here and there and just like we would always fuck it up like so like we ended up you know doing little mickey mouse hustles and boosting yeah so like there's this particular day where we woke up like this every day where we had no wake up like we we had to go think of something Real quick, where we just even have to get like a nickel into our system, so we just don't feel horrible. Yeah. yeah, and like we used to stop kind of leaving that neighborhood. We would kind of just only go to that neighborhood to crash, and we'd go back to our home neighborhood, which is like on the south side of town. Yeah, and it's like a good little forty-five hour walk. Like we didn't have car, we fucking or bikes or anything. We just walk everywhere. <clears throat> and no money for even a bus fare and that shit. Um, but we'd stop at this meat market a lot. Like, we had been doing this quite a bit where, like, you can go to the back of the store. There's no cash registers, and you just order, like, the kind of meat you want. Mm-hmm. And there's this lady, Caddy Corner, across the street that owned this uh, Mexican restaurant. And she would buy ingredients in bulk, like, from us for 50 cents on the dollar. <laughs> So, like, what we would do often, we just, like, you know, we we weren't trying to get greedy. We were getting, like, 40 pounds worth of meat and just go across the street and sell it to her. <laughs> so, we, we walked in there, and he was, his spidey sense was going off. Mine was not paying attention. And he was even telling me, like, hey, it's a no-go. They're tripping on us. Like, they're, we can't, we can't do this right now. I'm like, I'm fucking sick. Like, yeah. I need to get something in me. Like, this is all we got. Going, I'm not going to wait another fucking hour to steal something and return it, like, on the other side of town. Like, this is what we got to work with right now. I was like, don't worry, I'll just be fast. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, he's telling me, no, I'm like, no, we're fucking doing it. Like, I don't care. Yeah. And so I go back there. I don't remember what kind of meat I ordered. It was, like, carne asada or something. Because we'd probably had to go ask her first, and she told us what she wanted, and... We'd go get it and just take it to her. It was like 50 yards across the street. Mm-hmm. So um, they were looking at us funny. I could tell, but I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> like, they, so they, I, I ordered whatever it was, and I started walking out, and the dude starts uh, yelling at me, and my uncle starts walking the other way. <laughs> and backpedaling like yeah, I'm stepping away from and the guy team. just keeps trying to follow me and I just start booking it and I just start running you got meat in your hand I got like a big ass sack of meat in a plastic bag in my hand yeah <laughs> oh fuck and I'm just running and my uncle's trying to like kind of like like casually follow and stay on the phone and like I, I call him up to just for him to tell me like who's after me but they both jump in trucks 
and start booking it after me through this neighborhood. And you're on foot. I'm, they're on, I'm on foot. Oh, Jesus. And there's alleyways everywhere, though. So I'm, like, dick, like ducking in the alleys, like, popping out on other streets and losing them for a second. But they keep <laughs> finding me, like, I'm a chain smoker, too, you know, man. I'm getting fucking winded. Like, but I, I need this. This is my, me and my uncles get well. Like, yeah. I have to have this shot, you know. Yeah. Like, I know I'll turn this into money and then... Homeboy's already working. He starts working at six. Our, our favorite plug. Yeah. And he starts working early. Like we, yeah. So I'm, I'm. These paisas are just fucking following me everywhere. Like I can't get away. So like, I, I've come to like a, a fence that's just like a boarded up fence with like planks. Like you know, you can kind of see through like the little slits. Yeah. And I could tell it looks a little brittle, so I just smash it and like I just start. <laughs> hitting it and I, I i knock a couple of the boards in so i could fit myself in yeah and i try to just hide for a second but there's a lady like with her kids like on the other side hanging up laundry like uh with the oh, like no. with what are those things called uh clothespins clothespins yeah <laughs> Durr. so she's just looking at me like what and i just like hold my hand up to my face like shh <laughs> like <laughs> shushing her i was just like be quiet they be quiet like it's like hold on like just they'll leave soon but they get out of the fucking truck, like, and he's just on foot walking. And I, at this point, I know, like, he's just looking everywhere. He's not letting it go, man. 40 pounds of meat. <laughs> the motherfuckers are serious about that stuff. Yeah. And um, so what I ended up doing was just, like, like walking out and just, like, <laughs> I handed it to him, but it's, like, half ripped open and dirty <laughs> at this point. <laughs> or anyways, and I'm like... All right, I'm sorry. Like just breathing super heavy. I'm like fucking. Don't call the cops. I'm not coming back to the store. We're done. Like yeah, just like I'm gonna go, and it just ended awkwardly like that. But in the process, I had like exploded one of my shoes. Like just the whole sole got ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like walking around town. Like we had to walk back to my uncle's house to get fucking new shoes. And somehow we ended up getting well, but. That was like an everyday like event. Like I, I I spent pretty much every day like that from six a.m. till midnight, and sometimes beyond. Then trying to find ways to come up to stay loaded. And, oh man, that was a bitch. But I thought that was it was pretty funny. Just the fucking meat, like <laughs> forty pounds is fucking heavy <clears throat> when you're dope sick, and it's probably a big size bag of meat too. No, it, it was. Was I saying pounds of forty dollars oh, okay. worth of meat? So I don't know how much ever. I can't remember what it was, what kind of meat it was. But I mean, it's. I, I was still like cruising around with a sack of meat that just like looked like a brain or something in this <laughs> pink plastic bag. Fucking, I'm sure it looked hilarious. Just a, <laughs> a junkie running with a sack of meat like all over the neighborhood. Oh, dude! I used to. Um, I used to go into. <laughs> grocery stores there was a grocery when I was in Pasadena there was a grocery store down the street from my apartment and I lived in like you know right north of Pasadena is a town called Altadena and that's where like the biggest gang activity is uh and it was it was ghetto as fuck there was a place called like the jungle or something and it's like you couldn't go in without safe passage and I was right next door my apartment was right next door but we had this like four bedroom townhouse and uh I I, at that point, I was growing weed in every single apartment I had. So by then, we, I had upgraded, and we had this four-bedroom townhouse, and there was, like, a second living room. Or, and I had just decked it out with this panda tarp and made this giant grow-up. But I was, like, 
you know, spending all my student loans on grow equipment. And I'm like, I joined a methadone. This is the first time I joined methadone maintenance. And because I just wanted to get loaded for free, Medi-Cal was covering it. And I was like, dude, my girlfriend and I don't really have a lot, a lot of money to maintain a heroin habit. I was like, dude, I'll just, I thought in my fucked up head, I was like, dude, I'll just get on methadone. I'll get high every day for free. <laughs> not that, not as satisfying at all. It, yeah. you know, and I just keep it telling takes the, the drama out of your life a little bit, a dumb. little bit. Yeah. But it was like, I was still like collecting, uh, unemployment checks and just like barely skating by. And so I would go down to this, um, I'd go down to this grocery store with a ba- empty backpack and I'd just load up groceries and just walk out. And, uh, yeah, one time they, well, first off my day was fucked because I had a, this really shitty Acura Integra. So I don't know what was up with that model, but like, for some reason, uh, the the floor mats would get caught under the the gas pedal. Oh. So I'm driving to the methadone clinic trying to get my dose, and that happened. And so like I'm speeding down this road, like Franklin Avenue, and I don't know how to stop this car because I don't realize the floor the floor mats are like jammed in the fucking gas pedal. So I'm like, oh my god, this thing's not stopping. So I'm like fucking blowing through red lights. And freaking out, and so I I didn't know to like oh I'll pop it in neutral, and so then I ended up um, I like pushing on the brake, but it's like still it's like it's going still, so I end up being, slowing down just enough to like to rear end somebody, <laughs> and so I'm like fuck slowing and then, down enough just to <laughs> rear end somebody. Yeah, not to not rear end them too hard, <laughs> and so I I, I finally realized like, okay this is what's going on and I pop it in neutral and somehow I I realized like oh god this is so stupid I was also like pretty out of it I was getting loaded off fucking eighty milligrams a day, but anyway I, I give her my insurance info and I go get my dose and now I'm like fuck I need to. Uh, I need to go steal some groceries. And back then we had a dealer who would, we would trade steaks for, for dope, you know? And, um, it's a good trade. Yeah. He would yeah. take, so we would steal steaks. So I'm in there loading up <laughs> steaks in my backpack. And by then I've been stealing energy drinks and God knows what forever. And they're finally catching on. I mean, I, but like every going with a backpack or how would you just, I would just go in with a backpack and I would load everything in my backpack and walk out with a backpack and yeah. I got away with it forever. But it, I, it, I think everyone knew that and would still like I'd be boosting steaks from the store and I'd look over and some dude was like stealing a three pack of tall cans and stuffing it in his pants. And we'd look at each other and nod like, yeah, we're boosting shit. So it's like I knew they were <laughs> they were going to start cracking down. So yeah, then this you can dude, only get away with it for so long. Yeah. So then this dude starts following me around like, hey, I know you got shit in your jacket and you're, you know, I'm wearing a thick ass snowboarding jacket in the summer, like in L.A. It's like it's, <laughs> captain obvious so <laughs> while, while he's following me around yelling at me i'm like trying to duck into other little aisles and take shit out and like stuff them behind like counters and i don't know how i made it out of there but i did and um we ended up having to we then we would go to home depot i think we did that day and we'd steal like they had these weird little lug nuts that were like super expensive oh yeah and we'd retri- we'd try to return those and get uh store credit on cards and by then they uh, caught on to that. So when we tried to return them, they wouldn't take them. And they put us on like Home Depot put us on a list where like we could never return shit there again. I owe <laughs> Home Depot like $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, fuck, what are we going to do? And then finally, I don't know how we got well that day, but it was just like one fucking debacle after another. Um, 
But yeah, like I, yeah, I was, and what I, my trick was when I was on maintenance, if I wanted to get loaded, I would get, I would, I would be well because of the methanol. But then if I scored, I would wait and I do my shot right before I went and dosed on methadone. Yeah, that's the idea. And that was my trick. Yeah. So I would kind of feel it because if I did the methadone first, I'm fucked. Yeah. You know, so I would do my shot and then at the last minute that dosing hours were open, I'd go and dose. And then I remember I fucking, during those days, I had someone who, because they'd make you do groups there too. So, yeah. 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 Oh, so, yeah. You probably have to edit that out. Huh? <laughs> uh, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I can't edit that out. But yeah, um, I remember this guy there. He was like, he had a bunch of weed or something, and I let him crash at my house. And uh, I remember one time, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to be gone, so you can't come back for a while. I ended up sleeping in my fucking... Uh, in my bed and he's knocking outside the window and I don't want to get up cause I'm like all methadoned out and he fucking slides my window open and pops my screen and tries to crawl in through the window, like right above me. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's Whoa. like, well, you weren't answering the door. <laughs> I was like, fuck dude. And so I was like, I told you I was being gone for a while. Like, why'd you come back? And so I let him crash on my couch. And then I remember the next day, like, he had like a block of cheddar cheese under his pillow, like the couch cushion, like he was gnawing on it like a rat. And it was just a fucking <laughs> nightmare. I almost got into a fight with him at the fucking methadone clinic. And yeah, good, <laughs> good fucking times. Yeah. But anyway, we should get, uh, I got people blowing me up about this meeting. Right. We're going to go, we're going to go guys. Got a NA meeting I need to go to and get a six month shit. But uh, yeah, applause, fake applause. Yeah. Put that in the post. Um, yeah, so, hey, uh, thank you guys for all the feedback, um, you know, I'll keep you guys updated, uh, uh, I usually have some kind of outro to say, but we're gonna get going, but thanks for coming on, yeah, uh, I know it's been long overdue, because I, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about doing this for, I don't know, how long, uh, like over six months, or uh, maybe a year, maybe, oh, probably like a year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming and visiting. And um, yeah, you're welcome back on any time. Thank you. Thank you. Don't right. get loaded. Yeah, don't get loaded. Don't use needles. And uh, if you're struggling, just be safe. You know, there's, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't get it. I knew at one point in time, like when I was getting loaded, I wasn't going to get it. Like no matter what anyone told me. But hopefully, like, something comes out of this podcast where people finally start to realize, like, they have the power to, you know, get clean. So, with that, I'm out there, out, out of here, you guys. I love you. And, um, yeah, as always, peace, love, and all that. Uh,